go? My name's Todd. Mine is Kathy. Um, happy holidays, everybody. I like that song. That's all the kids. What's the name of that song? Um, th- uh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Wait. have a freaking clue. Lovely weather. Sleigh ride. It's sleigh ride. And that was not just any recording. old sleigh ride. That was our daughter's school. That was uh, our youngest, Skylar. She's in chorus or what do you call it? Choir. Choir. <laughs> Choir. And um, that was their school performance the other night. And I just love, like this time of year, I love events around the holiday. And I think for me, the reason I love them is they get me in the mindset. Otherwise, I can just act like it's any other time. And you don't like acting when it's any other time when it's not any other time. Right. You're I, like, no, this is this is the this holidays. Is holidays. So let's not be normal. Let's go see the Nutcracker. Kind of like going to. when you say this is my birthday, let's not a normal day. And I figured that out early on in our marriage. You sure did when you decided it wasn't worthy of going to lunch. Yeah, because I was said, working. Why? You're like, I'm busy and I like to be busy all the time. So why would I take you to lunch? I think we had plans later on that day. I don't think we did. Really? I, it's it, possible. You, I mean, I was a pretty big idiot. I'm still an idiot, but I think I was a bigger idiot back then. I just want to go to lunch. You were like, why? Yeah. I'm and like, you're like, because it's my birthday? <laughs> Um, so why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. This is podcast number 525. It's getting released on Christmas Eve day morning. I was going to say, for those of you who celebrate Christmas, this is the eve of the Christmas. Also known as Christmas Eve day morning. (laughs) Also known as December 24th. Um, I have a few quick takes, but why don't you tease the audience of what we're talking about today? Okay, so today our big topic is going to be about uh, Dr. Thomas Boyce. He came up with this thing called, um, in regards to categorizing children or understanding children and their stress responses and their needs, he categorized them into either being um, dandelions or orchids. So dandelion children and orchid children. And we will explain the difference and riff a little bit on it because I would like to expand the metaphor a little more. But first, sex ed for teens and parents at Elmhurst Public Library, January 7th. Uh, We promise to do a better job of pop culturing. We've been... uh, absent since planes, trains, and automobiles. On purpose. December just wasn't a good month to do two podcasts plus everything else we do. But we will get back to it. Um, so two quick takes. One is uh, soccer legend Megan Rapino. Uh-huh. Did I pronounce her name? Yeah, I, I used to say Rapine. What did I say? And Cameron was like, that's not right. I think, I, yeah, it's, it's Rapino. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was named Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. I know. I nice. do know that. So congratulations to her for that. And then the other one, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea that to share or not, but there's a woman named Fallon Sherrick, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of her? I don't think Probably so. Probably not. She's the first female darts player to beat a man at world champions championships. At darts? At darts. Nice. So I Google, I YouTube searched it today. First of all, it's in England. I think the English really care about their darts. I used to care about my darts. Sweetie, first of all. 
You think you're average at darts. Well, here's the thing. You're not even aiming for anything. No, no. Let's start over here. Okay. When I was in college, I was good at darts. Now, I'm not saying great. (laughs) Todd, in college, you never played me darts in college. I never played you darts in college. (laughs) You know, I don't think, well, we might have played, but we don't have a lot of memories of it. Maybe because you had a few too many. (laughs) So there was a time that when I played darts, I won all the time. Now, it could have been that dartboard at that bar. Do you know what I mean? Like there can be some Oh, like a home field advantage type of thing? Like it could have been like if you took me into another place, I'd be like, oh, or if I was playing real darts with the, you know, the actual sharp Yeah, you did the computer or whether registered the score automatically. And so I did try to hit certain things. But, and I got, like, I was, like, I got a will for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I was thought of as being a good dart player. And how dare you let your talent dissipate over the last 26 well, now years? now I just suck. Um, so I'm playing some of the audio. I'm looking at it on YouTube. But this is the climax of the tournament. Okay. And first of all, there's, like, literally thousands of people wow. in the venue. There's an announcer. It's TV. It's, like, really well-produced Wait, TV. before you go on, because sure. I can't see what you're watching, is the dartboard a real dartboard? Yeah, it's a real dartboard. It's board. not electronic. Yeah, okay. you, you'll actually hear the point, that, okay. little, okay. that little sound. So this is about 45 seconds from this woman making history. Um, so the guy is throwing first. And is he, like, the, the reigning champion? I don't know if he's reigning champion, but obviously he's locked in. Okay. Um, so he's shooting first, and you'll hear an announcement. Okay. So. All he's got is a 60 bullseye. All he's got is a bullseye. So he didn't get what he needed. Yeah, it doesn't So now she's stepping up. Oh. We're on the end of history. 36 left for Fallon Sherrick. Oh, not a good one. Game! Sherrick! And Fallon Sherrick smashes the glass ceiling and wins at the World Darts Championship. The first woman to beat a man at the World Darts Championship. Fallon Sherrick is that woman on the 17th of December, 2019. She did... She's wearing like this, it looks like a pink bowling shirt. Okay. And I'm just so delighted for her. I don't know Wait, why. is that like, hey, 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 is that the people or a song? No, that's that's the crowd. Come on. Yes, they're oh, going nuts. There's like It's like outside of Wrigley Field oh, after the Cubs won the pennant. Like, they're going nuts. Oh, my God. Because they're seeing great. something historical. Yes, good for Fallon. Now... Let's talk about her name. Sherrick. What did I say? No, Fallon Sherrick. Fallon Sherrick. Like, I only know one Fallon. I've never heard of that other than Jimmy Fallon. No, Fallon in Dynasty. Wasn't there a Fallon? And Sweetie, then it, you're thinking about Crystal. No, Crystal was the was the woman. Di- the, uh, Donna Evans? Diane Evans? Uh, Linda Evans. Linda Evans. But her name was Fallon, and I kind of wonder why there's not more balance balance because sometimes when things get in the mainstream like that um I, I have to look it up because oh look fallon sherrick was the first person who came up there you go how about that and also there's an american mma fighter named fallon fox oh no kidding and a racer named fallon taylor god mm. there's a lot of Fall- fallon carrington that's the one i'm looking for yeah of course so yeah she is she is from Dynasty, and then she was on the Colbys, too, of mm. course, you know. Which is the spinoff. Right, and it was um, Pamela Sue Martin. All right. So anyways, kudos, female power, love it. Fallon, rock So, it. you know, it's one of those things, like, the all the men, out of all the men in the world, this woman beat them 
all. Like, how about uh, all the people in the world? This person beat them all. Well, that's what I mean. You know right? What I, mean. I do. Like, it's like I, you. There's no like you know because like in golf, there's women's tees and all that. Like right. this is level playing field. Correct. Level playing field. Like you know? there's no way to be like, oh, this is a woman's right. team. Right. She's is, just better than all the guys. She's better. Which I don't think there's anything in darts that would make a man better at darts other than the fact that more men play so the pool of talent is probably bigger because more men play darts than women except me in college (laughs) except you in college where did you play at west end oh west end got it yeah okay and i really do and maybe my friends would be like kathy you weren't that good you just thought you were good but it was a time in my life that i thought like put it this way this is what i'll say if someone was like do you want to play darts i didn't didn't hesitate and I was never embarrassed to be anyone's partner. Meaning I didn't do the, oh, I'm no good. Like I was like, I'm here to win. Yeah. You're in it to win it. In it to win it. And there were competitions occasionally and mm. I, I did all right. Um, okay. So I can go on and on with some other quick takes, but I'm going to jump into the content of the show. Okay. Oh, we're right. That was it. Well, there's others. There's others, but I, uh, maybe we'll put it at the end. So you have no other like, uh, Christmas Eve things you want to talk about? Uh, well, there's a there's something I might include at the end about the movies of 2019 okay. and how it plays into the Bechdel test. Ah, you know, I was just listening to a Vanity Fair podcast that I love about all the movies this year, and they were talking about what a heavy male year mm. it is as far as like the Should ones, I just jump in real quick and the go ones, through them? Yeah, the ones that are getting nominated for awards. So this is off of uh, the representationproject.org and they list just a few of the biggest movies of the year. Yeah. And the Bechdel test, if you could remember, measures the representation of women in fictional films and television. So why don't you test me a little bit? Is there a way that you can do that? I'm just going to, I'm going to name the movies okay. and I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask you if you think they passed or failed. Oh, okay. Or you could just say, I didn't see it, so okay. I don't know. That's good. Uh, okay. The test looks at films and shows to determine whether or not they contain at least one scene where two women have a conversation with each other. Not that, talking about That is men. about something other than a man. The yeah. good news is that 80% of the top rated films passed. Interesting. Interestingly, though, only one of the passing movies in the list was nominated in Best Drama category at the Golden Globe. So, first one, Avengers Endgame, pass or fail? Well, now, that's hard because, like, there are women in that who are strong, but, so, hmm, yes, they passed. That's exactly right, it passed. Um, I don't know if this is going to help. Avengers Endgame passes and makes an effort to be more than just a dude flick. The film still only offers underdeveloped female characters. That's well, and and again, there is just especially because of Black Widow. She, or not Black Widow. Excuse me. No, Black Widow. Is that Scarlett Johansson? Am I saying the right thing? Or Captain Marvel? Those are the only two girl superheroes uh, I know. Women. Oh, there's more than that. And and in Endgame, they're all in there. Okay. So there, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but they all. I come haven't together. seen it yet, so don't ruin it for me. Even Pepper. Doesn't Potts. matter. Let's move on because okay. I got a bunch of. Okay, okay, okay. Us, the scary movie. I think they probably did pass. Yes. Yeah. It did pass. Yeah. Toy Story 4. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. I haven't seen this yet. Knives Out? We haven't seen it, but I would guess it has. It did pass. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Parasite? Never heard of that one. Um, you haven't heard of Parasite, Tom? No. For real? Yeah. Oh. Um, it is supposed to be one of the best best films of the year, and yeah. it's been nominated also in the foreign film category, but the director 
and the movie were nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Now, Academy Award hasn't come out yet, but in the you know SAG and everything. Um, I would guess because of the, what the movie's about that, yes, it passes. Uh, it's exactly right. Although Parasite is focused primarily on key take and his relationship with his father, the women mm-hmm. of the story steal the show. Yeah, exactly. The Irishman. No. Big time not fail. Yeah. Big time fail. Well, I don't know if we've talked about it, but like part of the like the challenge with the Irishman is the fact that like Anna Paquin, who's like an Academy Award winning actress, has seven lines mm-hmm. in the whole movie. Yeah. And she's a very important pivotal character. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, Scorsese did that on purpose or whatever, but it's quite challenging. Uh the farewell? I de- that definitely passed because that, that's about women. Uh Book Smart. Definitely. It's about women. And last but not least, Spider-Man Far From Home. Hmm. I saw that with Cameron. And Zendaya is in that. Zendaya? Zendaya? You watch Euphoria. Which one is it? I don't know. I think it's Zendaya. I will guess that it didn't pass. Spider-Man Far From Home is a fun comic book watch with a mostly feminist approach to Mary Jane's character. Sadly, it still doesn't pass the very low bar set by the Bechdel test. You know why I decided that it didn't pass? Mm. Was because everything is around Peter. Like, the conversation with her is around Peter. Peter Do you know what I mean? The, the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways. All right. So that's it. I thought, what about like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It wasn't in here. Well, it didn't pass. No. Okay. Margot Robbie had like... Two lines? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Ready. Okay. So we're going to talk. And don't about, forget about my clip that I might that I'll yeah, play. Yeah, we'll, we'll incorporate it. So we're going to talk about dandelions and orchids. And again, I'm just going to give you some background. There is a book out about this, and this has made the rounds for a while. I was telling Todd that we talked about this this semester in my college class, um, and. So Dr. Thomas Boyce, he is a professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at the University of California, San Francisco. He treats children who um, seem to be completely unflappable and unfazed by their surroundings, as well as kids who are more sensitive to their environments. So over the years, he began to call these two groups dandelions and orchids. So um, he studies, he's like spent 40 years studying human stress response in children. And this is the way he describes it. Most kids tend to be like dandelions, which means they're fairly resilient, able to cope with stress and adversity. But there are some kids that he calls orchid children. They're more sensitive and biologically reactive to their circumstances, which can make it harder for them to deal with stressful situations. So like the flower, like, because for example, an orchid um, needs- What's an orchid look like? An orchid is those flowers that like, it has a, usually has a stick like holding it up okay. and it bends over. Okay. I always think about it as fragile, like very fragile. fragile and it needs a very specific environment to thrive. Okay. You have to know how to take care of an orchid for it to thrive. But when it thrives, it's beautiful, right? Yeah. I'm also a big fan of dandelions, so I'm I really and am. Dandelion is the yellow joke. weed in the front Correct. in the front lawn. Correct. Which has a lot of like the dandelion has a lot of um health properties and medicinal properties okay. in it. It's a, it's a more um, important weed than we give it credit for. But anyway, um, so if 
the orchid is given the right environment or nurturing conditions, it can definitely thrive. Um, and so he kind of, especially if they're given a, a routine that they can stick to, he also says, orchid children seem to thrive on having things like dinner every night at the same time with the same people, having certain kinds of rituals, um, the, a kind of routine or sameness in life that's helpful to deal with life and you know what what's going on. So here's the thing. I've seen him interviewed a number of times, and he has a TED Talk or something equivalent to a TED Talk. What's this guy's name? Uh, Thomas Boyce. Okay. So he's at the University of California. And I, you know, he's been doing this 40 years, and he obviously is talking about, you know, putting these kids in two very specific categories, and in no way am I saying he's wrong. Yeah. Like, he's the expert on this, not me. But I'd like to, like, expand this metaphor a little bit because... I really do think that not all children can easily fit in one of these categories. That was the note I was going to say. It's kind of a, you know, we need labels and generalizations sure. just to, as a starting point. But, you know, I'm sure that there, I think I would probably be, I think I would be categorized myself as a young boy, as a dandelion, but I'm sure I had a zillion moments where I was an orchid. Absolutely. And this is exactly what I mean. So let's give great respect to Thomas Boyce for what he, the research he did, but let's talk about it more openly rather than like try and fit into his categories. Because I think whenever you're doing research or whenever you're trying to, you know, give a hypothesis or some kind of description, you have to be so literal Mm -hmm. and absolute to make your case. But I think the fun thing about you know, what you and I get to do for a living is we get to discuss it kind of in a more realistic way, which is, I think, like, when you look at this, the dandelion and the orchid, I think we can make it simple and say, well, there are kids that can handle new situations, and they kind of go with the flow. And there are kids that maybe are more challenged, maybe the kids who a lot of people would say are on the spectrum who need more of a structure, or they don't like a lot of change. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of ways that kids would describe or parents would describe their kids who have more special needs, you know, differently wired, differently wired. Thank you. Um, Neurodiverse. Um, We actually just had an amazing conversation with Team Zen. Uh, last a couple Fridays ago. It's last Friday, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, whenever. If today is the 24th, oh, yeah, then right. a couple You're Fridays right. ago. And we ended up, I don't know where we started, but we ended up talking so much about neurodiversity. And we have a lot of people on Team Zen whose children would be, you know, defined as, um, you know, neurodiverse and or special needs. Like they're both are used, Mm -hmm. you know, interchangeably. But there was such a good conversation about this. Um, One of the women on Team Zen was bringing up how in a school situation, where her child is put into a certain situation that is not ideal for his growth. He doesn't do very well. He like kind of hits the walls and and I don't mean literally, but like he's trying to figure out how to handle an overstimulating situation. Our classrooms are designed for dandelions. Correct. Thank you. You're saying it much better. Our classrooms are designed for dandelions. And when you put an orchid in there and say, we know you're not a dandelion, but act like one or else you get in trouble, then we are not being empathetic toward the needs of the of the orchid, sure. which is in Debbie Reber's book, um, Differently Wired. She talks a lot about becoming not just knowledgeable about what neurodiverse kids experience, but also by becoming an ally for them. So you understand why the parents ask for what they ask for and why the kids need what they need. For example, 
there was an, uh, and I can't remember it, who gave this example. It was somebody on Team Zen about things being thrown in the lunchroom. Yes. Okay. So could, do you want to tell that story? Because you, you It was felt- something like there's, <clears throat> you know, kids were being rambunctious and tossing stuff around the lunchroom and this woman's son- um, Felt threatened by it. Yeah. Gets really scared. Um because for whatever reason, well, doesn't he, matter why. I think it was that he felt that to him is that these are being thrown at exactly. him. He felt like he was threatened. being attacked when he didn't know that it was just randomly. It was just a random throwing of things, like a funny thing. Yeah. But the way his brain interprets it is these things are being thrown at me, and I'm very scared, and he can't. Uh, regulate his reaction. Correct. That's exactly. Right. Since he can't regulate his reaction, he gets in trouble mm. when really the environment is set up for him to fail. Yes. So now I don't have any grand plan here where I'll say, so here's what we need to do. Like yeah. this is a big issue, yeah. right? We're in the time of transition in so many different areas of our lives, but especially in the education system is how do we um, make sure that orchids get what they need and have an environment that is obviously where we're empathetic to what they need, but also it's beyond empathy. It's a right, Mm -hmm. an inalienable right to like have an education system that benefits you rather than you like getting, you know, tossed around and being told you just need to be like everybody else. It's very difficult. I think one thing that I've really enjoyed seeing this year, and I've seen a lot of people post this on Team Zen and and otherwise, and I noticed that Debbie Reber wrote a long post about this, is when you see someone like Greta, who is, um, and the reason I never say her last name is because I can't say it well. Have you ever heard Greta say her last name? Uh, no. With her accent, oh, it's yeah. it's not Thunberg. Yeah. That's how an American says it. But there, so she won the Time Magazine Person of the Year, and here's this girl who is now 16 years old, who's leading the cause on climate change, and part of the reason she's so good at it is because she is neurodiverse Mm. because she is not as affected or easily offended by things that other people may be more affected by. It makes her a stronger advocate. This is what, I mean, I remember seeing the the TED talk. She sees things in black and white in the best way. Like, why would you do this? It makes no sense. Yeah. Science is saying this, yet we're still doing that. That makes no sense. And we need her her wiring or her perspective. Like, do you remember the Ted talk that Temple Grandin did so many years ago? So Temple Grandin, who, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the the way to say this. So I'm saying it in the right way, who, um, identifies as autistic or is, you know, she's on the, she's on the spectrum herself. She is, was in her TED talk talking about how important it is that she sees the way the world the way she does because she's become an innovator mm. in in farming and if she hadn't seen things the way she does then there'd be so many things that still aren't working mm-hmm. this has been the case for decades, right? We need people, decades, for forever. We need people who see things differently in order to solve all of the world's problems. Right. We can't have all the same perspective. Yeah. yeah, they view it through a different lens. Exactly. So I'm getting very focused on the spectrum when it's not all about the spectrum as right. far as being an orchid yeah. because some of it, it has to do with emotional needs or just the physicality of us mm-hmm. and what we desire because I will say... 
that I feel like there are many situations where I'm very much a dandelion, you know, like I, there's, I don't have a lot of, um, experience with like, I literally can't handle this. Like there is growing up, I was in a very mainstream environment, but I will say now that I understand myself better. I am much more, I do know that there are certain environments I thrive much better in. Mm-hmm. And I do have a more orchidy. This is, yeah. again, I'm expanding the metaphor. This is not what Dr. Boyce was talking about. But I, as you know, Todd, I am better mm-hmm. in certain environments For than sure. others. Yeah. I don't like loud environments. I don't like overstimulating environments because I feel everybody's energy. I don't, um, I like um, consistency and I I like the same restaurants. Predictability. Predictability. Um, I like knowing where I'm going to vacation and what house I'm going to be in. That makes me feel comforted. You don't want to stay at the bed and breakfast? Oh, please no. I don't understand the B&B thing. I'm sorry for any of you who own one, who love them or whatever. I respect that. Todd loves them too. I just, I... I would love them. I've never been to one. <laughs> because I don't ever want to go? Right. Have you really never been? I don't think so. Huh. Your mom and Rich used to go all the time. Yeah. And they loved it because they would sleep in their room or whatever and then go downstairs and have breakfast with everybody and meet new people. Yeah. And that was totally them. Yeah. Whereas to me, I, I don't, I like people, but I like it in certain environments, yes. not where I'm sleeping. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. So... You, I think, have continued to be a dandelion. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? For sure. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's... Todd, there can be, like, people... Even though you're not a big fan of bars anymore. I don't like loud bars. I love dive bars where there's a jukebox and I don't have to scream to talk to somebody. So do I. But what I mean is, like, you thrive in certain environments. Again, I'm expanding the metaphor even more. Well, I don't want to go down this road, but I'm... I, I get energy, um, an extrovert, I'm an extrovert and I get energy by from going people. places from people. And I feel like you are an introvert and you will go out to the party and have fun. But at the end of the night, you're drained. Correct. And I'm like jacked up. Mm-hmm. Like, let's keep going. That's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. I feel buzzing. Mm-hmm. I'm buzzing. I'm, let's go. So yeah. And I, uh, that's one aspect of the dandelions and orchids discussion. Right. So. And this is like Todd and I taking it to just understanding each other. I think what I, what I know is most important about this discussion, regardless of if you read the book or watch the Ted talk or whatever is respect for other people's needs and respect for understanding that not everybody interprets or handles their environment the same way you do yeah. is it doesn't make you weak and it doesn't make you better and it doesn't make you like you know and Todd and I have this discussion all the time and he's very very thoughtful about my needs but I do know that sometimes when we have conversations you believe I'm not adventurous yeah and you think you are and yeah. I think you sometimes get like a my sense of adventure is very specific and you have a completely different sense of adventure. And Mine is like, let's go get lost in the nature. Right. And yours is something different. And I, but I think there was a time, even though I think now I would say you're very much understanding that you oh, thought I you would were totally, better. Yeah, yeah. Judgment. Yeah. For sure. You're like, you kind of suck because you're not adventurous. Well, and this is the pizza man argument. Correct. And that, and there is a, where I can hear you and say, what I'm hearing you say is that adventure is important to mm. you. 
But what I will no longer like take as truth is that you're better right. at something than I am. Right. Because my adventure, like there's many things in my life I do that I take risks and go out there that you don't do. Of course. Do you know what I mean? So it's like there is no, we've made these kind of static. Well, our society rewards the extrovert. Correct. Right? Correct. And if we're just going to like use those labels for mm-hmm. a second, you know, our society rewards those people. And, and the people that are good at that will shame the introverts. Correct. When in fact the introverts do as much work, if not more, they just do it a little bit differently. Well, and it's funny, I have like, um, you know, Susan Cain, who wrote uh, the book Quiet about introversion and extroversion. Her TED talk is like burned in my brain because I show it every semester. So I see it all the time. And you know, she talks a lot about the history of introversion and extroversion and how we used to be a society that that rewarded the contemplative mm-hmm. person. I, I'll say man, because at the time all the leaders were men. The contemplative person, um, like an Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted someone who was thoughtful yeah. who you know think about our historical figures jesus where mm. did what did he do he went into the woods to contemplate right where did he the desert the desert not the woods sorry 40 everybody. days 40 nights that part yes yeah on christmas eve i'm saying he went into the woods he probably went into the woods too he, let's be honest he just went he just went to contemplate that's yeah. all i have like he took time to think and to be away from people and what did you know what did siddhartha do you know mm-hmm. time alone mm-hmm. like we can talk historical figures, religious figures, we can talk literary figures, and we can talk about our own president, you know, someone like Lincoln. But then when we became a more industrialized nation, when everything was about sales and, you know, when we get into, you know, business, yeah. how do we do business? Go, 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 go. Go, go. And you have to Giddy understand up. how to relate to people you didn't know before. Yeah. So how to influence people, Carnegie, yeah. you know? How to win friends and influence people. Exactly. That becomes our modus operandi. Yeah. So then that becomes the way our society demonstrates someone who is successful. Mm. Not demonstrates. That's the way our society perceives someone as successful. So you can see how these things have changed and that nothing is is um, absolute is what I'm saying. So if it's in we, the gray. It's in the gray. Like I am um, contemplative and and I, I'm a good decision maker, but I like to think about things. Like my greatest joy is like reading a book and then sitting there and staring out into space and thinking about how I can write about it or talk about it. There's like doing, doing things like quickly and... <laughs> I, you know, like I want to watch a movie and then sit there and then maybe talk to Todd (laughs) and then talk to Todd about really intricate things. I don't want to move on to the next thing. I want to like talk about that movie and, you know, Todd's. Todd's not doing that. No, that's not true. You talk to me about hey, it. Hey, man, I'm on a 10-day streak of meditation. Yeah, that's and I've, right. And I've boosted from 10 minutes to 15 minutes. I feel right. very empowered right now in my contemplative practices. Right. You keep saying contemplative, and I don't think there's a right way other than the way that Sweetie, I just said you it. say tomato, I, I say tomato. tomato. Sweetie, you, you just said, I'm potato. always like, I want to move on. Uh-huh. Tom Petty. Yeah, I knew you'd gonna play it. You didn't know. I did. Right when you said you were gonna play something, I knew you didn't know. Sweetie, just listen to it. <laughs> Might take a while though. I don't know when it happens. Do you know Tom Petty isn't here anymore? Is that crazy? Very sad. Gosh, talk about an artist we love. It's time to move on. Yeah. 
Everything lies ahead, I have no Yeah, but let's go. But under my feet, baby, grass is growing. Yes. It's time to move on. I don't want grass to grow underneath my feet, sweetie. Sweetie. Just, you know. This, that's not his best song. I love it. Uh, no, it's not his best song. No. Um, so I want to play this. Can I play this This Is Us thing? Yeah, can I help you set it up a little bit? Before you do that, I want to talk about our partner of the week. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Candlewick Press. They are the publishers of You Are Light. I read it, sweetie. Yes, I absolutely you read, read it. it. I saw it at the airport. By New York Times bestselling children's book author, illustrator, Aaron Becker, creator of the Journey Trilogy. You Are Light is a prayer of thanks to the light that dwells inside all the brilliant wonders of the natural world, including us. Hold this unique book up to the light and watch as the rainbow-colored circles in its cover glow. You Are Light is available wherever books are sold. It's really beautiful. Good children's book. You'll like it. Yes. So go ahead and set up This Is Us. So... Just in the in the framework of the orchids and the dandelions, um, there's this episode that Cameron of This Is Us that Cameron and Todd really love, and it's called Fifth Wheel. The fifth Third wheel. wheel. The it's fifth called the Fifth wheel. wheel. Okay, and season two, episode twelve. And I have seen it also, but they talk about it all the time, and now we kind of all talk about it. Um, but basically, the setup is is if you don't watch This Is Us, there's triplets. If you don't watch This Is Us, you have a problem. <laughs> and the three t- triplets are named Kevin and Kate and Randall. And Kevin and Kate are actually twins, or they were a part of a triplet. The third baby passed away during birth. The during birth, and then Randall was adopted. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's so so, but they were all babies together. Okay. So basically they grew up together. And as we all know, when you're in a family, even if you're the same age, even if you're a part of this triplet situation, you know, every kid experiences the family in every situation different. So I think the quote is that we all grow up in a different family, even if we're together. Um, And they're... Kevin in this episode, he's in rehab and he's figuring out why he struggles with addiction. Part of it is genetic. His father was a, you know, an addict. He was an alcoholic. Um, but he also feels like he was thus the name, the fifth wheel of the family. Mm -hmm. And so there is this part where I I think you're going to play this where Rebecca, the mother is trying to give him a compliment. Yeah. Well, um, Yes, I think she is. Yeah. And this is, first of all, this episode is amazing. It's season two, episode 12, called The Fifth Wheel. And this is just a teeny part of what is a really powerful episode. But I think it lends itself into... Dandelions and orchids. Correct. One day, though, right? <laughs> I was um, thinking about uh, your first day of kindergarten. And... I remember walking you three into the classroom with Randall clinging to my leg and your sister crying, but you just... You waltzed right in. You didn't... You didn't even look back. (laughs) Your father and I were like, wow, look at our brave little boy. And I remember telling the other two, now you have to learn to be just like Kevin. (laughs) Yeah. I never worried about you. Because I didn't think that I had to. Mm, That's such a, it's a lot of layers. It is. And it, it, 
it lends well to the other side of this conversation, which is sometimes when our kids are dandelions, because that's what Rebecca's trying to say, is I never worried about you because you just planted yourself and grew, yeah. no matter where you were. We forget to pay attention. Yeah. And sometimes when our kids are those kids, like a Kevin, who can just run in the classroom or goes into the party or decides to be in a class, like, you know, I'll just try karate or I'll just try this, we forget to notice them. Yeah. And we just say, they'll do it, they'll do it. And we kind of pass them off and we focus all of our attention on maybe the kid who is more orchidy. Mm -hmm. And that, and you know, and this is a thing where a parent will throw up their hands and go, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, this is not a, a this is not blaming or being like shaming. If it's just, you, ha you have all, to have an awareness. You have to have an awareness because what this episode is about how Kev is how Kevin felt unnoticed. And Kevin is the one that has the good job and the good looks and all this other stuff. And yet he's the one at this moment in the show is struggling the most. Struggling the most and is is dealing with his own inner demons about that he isn't loved. And mm -hmm. the or he loved says, the way. He says, um, Mom, you always love Randall the best. Uh -huh. And Kate, you, you always, always had dad. dad. And mm -hmm. he was the outsider looking in. Exactly. And what's great in the show, I won't ruin it. Just watch it. It's just yeah. really good. It, And I think that this is what it allows us to do as parents having this discussion or just kind of thinking about your kids and, you know, how would you categorize them? And if you're like, no, it's not that simple, but in this situation, they're orchidy. In this situation, they're dandelion-y. Because I would look at my three kids and even though... There are times, like especially like JC when she was really little, like three or four, I would have said she was definitely an orchid. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was a girl who... Um, Some of that's age too, though, right? Well, and that's what I was going to say oh. is that I, she was my first, so yeah. I only knew what I knew. She was my kid who didn't want me to leave the party. She wanted me to sit in ballet class even when the teacher didn't want me there. Um, kindergarten, the first day was tough and 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 other things. But now that's not her at all. Yeah. Like in some situations, she still has sure. some things as we all do. But, but we're talking about baselines. We're talking about baselines. And the thing is, is sometimes when it's our first kid, we don't know. Yeah. Sometimes. Don't have anything to compare it to. Sometimes when they're, they they all have different strengths and skill sets. And when she's in a certain kind, like she's the kind of kid who once she's done something enough, she's like, I got it. Yeah. I got it. So for her, it was just developing that muscle. Mm -hmm. For other kids, it's not about developing a muscle. It's about no matter when I'm in this situation, even if I've done it 10 times, it's always uncomfortable. Yeah. And they're and I'm using these examples because none of them are bad or good. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. Like we don't look at an orchid and say, dude, you need to be a dandelion. Mm. And we don't look at a dandelion and say, you need to be an orchid. Right. We just accept what they are. And then we treat them accordingly. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's where we struggle is we look at kids and we say, like Rebecca says something in there, which I know lends itself well to the show, but isn't good. We shouldn't be saying to our kids, you need to be more like the other kid. Yeah. Like that. Well, the other thing is Kevin in the show didn't do anything or earn anything to to be this extroverted, more resilient kid. They was. all grew up in mm -hmm. the same exact environment. Mm -hmm. He just happened to be. Well, I would, I'd throw a wrench in that. And I would say that Kevin is a white male mm -hmm. growing up in the 70s like True. we did and he But do you is, think he got those messages before he was 5? Of course. Really? You, here you are the one who works with boys and men. You I know. know. I'm just thinking of 5 you 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 don't you're not looking at the world through this uh, older 
person's lens. Well, maybe not looking at it. Maybe the the messages are so underneath. They're so yeah, unconscious. There's an unconscious thing going because on. Because here's Randall. Not only is he adopted, but he's African-American. You know, he's in an all-white community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Kate, who struggles with her weight, mm-hmm. and she is the only girl. So they have things sure. that that make it so it's not as if Kevin was like biologically there's some cultural issues at could play be too. I think we're both right I think and, and my point was sometimes kids are just born a certain way now there could True. be a social conditioning yeah. that that impacted it or or not in this case you right. know it's made up fictional TV characters right. my my only thing is you know she's like you know we never had to worry about you she you know sometimes kids are just born more extroverted right and other kids are born more introverted and neither one has any more or less value. Now, what's interesting is because he had this resiliency, he got less love. You got it. And and when we say less love, it's not saying his parents literally didn't love him. They didn't show it. Yeah. He right. didn't feel Correct. it. Because they, because in this episode, Rebecca's so offended mm-hmm. by the fact that Kevin doesn't think she loved him yeah. because inside of her, she knows she did. Yeah. And the problem and in the episode, they all like Kevin come up, Come, Kevin can come up with all these different examples of how mom and dad loved Randall and Kate and demonstrated demonstrated mm-hmm. by specific examples and he couldn't really come up with any although they were there they were there which again that's less a beautiful obvious. part of the show but they're there it's less obvious so yeah. you um, brought up the time when JC used to have to a- ask you to sit in ballet yeah. class mm-hmm. and all that and you know as our kids grow older there's times when our kids are asking us and this is a little bit of a tangent so it might not be specific to dandelion and orchids but um, you know for instance one of my kids texted us from school yesterday and said I don't feel good now in that moment, I could have said, buck up, you don't feel good. <laughs> right. Or I could have said, uh, or I could, you know, come get her. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't text her. And because I know she had a really tough week, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to come get her. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, I picked her up and she felt... She wasn't sure if she, she wasn't sure. If, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she, and she's had a tough, tough, tough semester well, uh, school year. It's she, been tough. It's been a. It's been a. It's rough been a go. change. Yeah. It's been a change, and she has to wake up early. She's working late. All this other stuff that our kids are subjected to. She came home and slept for four hours, mm-hmm. and then she. So, I say that because there is no right way to parent. You have to trust your gut. And yesterday, my gut said was, "I my kid's not feeling well. I'm going to go pick her up." And I think a lot of times we tell ourselves these stories like. No, I got to teach my kid to be more resilient. Mm -hmm. And this is not a new theme that I'm bringing up because we talk about it quite often on the show, but the world is hard enough. The lessons will come. And sometimes we need to be the direct facilitator of those lessons. But most of the time, life will give you the lessons. The word that I've been coming back to in my parenting over the last few months is allies. Be their ally. Be on their side. And you and I can come up with many occasions just in the last week where we could have been in teacher mode or we have could we could have been the allies of our kids and we chose the allies and in these cases it worked really well well and what does work mean you know like when you say it works what 
what ends up working, and I'm putting in quotes, is that it feels right in the moment. The kids seem to be able to relax, rest, feel seen, feel heard, feel connected to us. That's what we call working. Yeah. Now, it, it's only a momentary decision. It's not. It's hard to see the big picture, yeah. what that means. But what one thing I will say is when we talk about giving our kids lessons about resiliency or you have to stick it out or you have to learn how to feel pain or whatever it may be, what about the lessons in regards to taking care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, Here's the thing that I see, and I see this as a professional. Um, you know, obviously, I experience it in my own life, and I'm still working on my own kind of self care practice. But as a professional, I see so many parents whose kids end up hitting a wall. Yeah. And then when they hit that wall, whatever that may mean, they get into treatment, they get into therapy, whatever. And then what the therapist ends up working on, that working with them, is on how to take care of themselves better. Yeah. So why are we making our kids hit a wall so that then we can teach them how to take care of themselves? Why don't we, through the process of their daily lives, interject it mm-hmm. so they don't have to experience a complete, like, you know, and again, it's not always about self-care. I don't want to simplify, you know, people who are struggling, you know, who, whose kids they're struggling right now. It doesn't mean it's all because of self-care. Sure. It's just a component that we like withhold until there's until they they can't tolerate life. Well, and you know, we have a 12 year old, a 15 year old and a 16 year old. And right now it's finals week. Right. And this is very specific, but yeah. I'll say it anyways. Um, so our high schoolers didn't have finals today. Right. So they could sleep in. Right. These two cats slept until 11 something. We wake them up at 6.15 or whatever it is every other day. On every other day. Think about their natural pattern, their their rhythm of sleep and how hor- horrifically interrupted it is mm-hmm. five days out of seven days. I know. So I'm just saying that out loud. One, just because sleep is critical and we undervalue it mm-hmm. as adults and I think we undervalue it as a society in terms of school, what time Absolutely. it starts. And if you have an opportunity where your kid's like, you know what, you know, and I know this is going to land poorly with some parents and that's okay. But like, you know, we talked about when we had our kids on for the 500 podcast, like um, the mental wellness day, mm-hmm. like that doesn't, for some people that doesn't make any sense unless you're physically ill, your butt is in school. And I'm like, just loosen the grip a little bit. Maybe, maybe your kid is spent and maybe your kid has to miss the first three or four classes before lunch because they're just done. Well, and again, then we forget the different layers of what health is because physical health yeah. is usually the last line of defense. Meaning if you are emotionally spent, It'll if get you your haven't attention. sleep, then you will eventually get physically sick, right? Why wouldn't we back up a few layers and maybe a kid coming home early at one o'clock or sleeping until 11 on a Saturday keeps them from getting physically ill. So it's the same amount of school that's missed, and I'm putting that in quotes. And again, I don't have a perfection. The the thing that Todd, when Todd said this is working, that's why I wanted to explain what working means. We don't know. We're not looking at a, a, a magic ball and saying, what's the ball called? The magic eight ball? No, not that. Like crystal look, ball. A crystal ball, thank you. How's your brain doing today? <laughs> crystal ball. We don't know what this results in, but I don't care because all I have is today. Mm-hmm. Meaning I I am not raising my child so they can to be 30. Yeah. I'm trying to help my child be a healthy 15-year-old. This Tuesday. Exactly. And 16-year-old and 18-year-old. Like wherever they are... 
is I want them to be healthy rather than I'm going to teach you this. So when you're 45, you get this. The one thing I will say is that a lot of parents are like, yeah, but the minute that you write a note for your kid to come home early from school or to show up late or to miss a whole school day, they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to want to do it the next day and the next day and the next day. Some kids might do that. Um, And put it this way, if my kid texted me the next day and said, I'm not feeling good, I would probably like do a little more vetting saying, are you sure you can't stick it out? Like you always like change your plan as new things happen. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Well, and here's the thing. Parents like to have hard and fast rules. Yeah. It makes Because that's what we grew up with. Exactly. We grew up with a set of rules. We actually had rules like here's the rules of the house and you have to abide by them. And everything we talk about on this show is a much more human element of of raising children is that we are, as Todd said, they're allies and we are supporting them and becoming healthy selves, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and feeling connected to the world and belonging. And if any, does anybody doubt that we need that right now? I mean, look at where we are in our political world, in our, you know, like right now people are losing track of each other. Our empathy quotient is way down. So we need to make as part of our, you know, with our children an understanding and a connection to themselves and each and, and each other. Mm -hmm. It's not about raising children who are getting straight A's and then burning out and then have to drop out of college because, you know, like we're working with the wrong paradigm, I guess I'm saying. So I guess my point is, is there are no hard and fast rules. And I know that's why this show can drive some people crazy. Like, because what do I do? They're like, give me some hard and no fast. No idea. You have to, this work starts with you and where you are and why you're doing what you're doing and then relating to your child on a very moment-to-moment basis, what's right today. And you say moment-to-moment. That's, I mean it literally. That's presence. Exactly. Like, like if there's any to-dos on Zen parenting, mm-hmm. to be present. Exactly. Like that's the only rule I can ever come up with. Exactly. And for like, you know, I have a buddy who's, uh, their family is like, no, you can't miss school. And that's just the way it is in school. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm not here to like impose my values on you, but I would invite the, you know, the guy and the, the his wife that I'm thinking about, like, can you loosen the grip somewhere else? You know what right. I mean? Like right. it doesn't, just because we happen to, I pulled my daughter out of school yesterday because she texted me and said she didn't feel good. And But I also have to say, because we talk about this a lot, it doesn't happen that often. I right. think the way that you're talking about it, Todd, is it sounds like our kids can be like, hey, I'm coming home. It happens like once in a blue moon. Mm. And But th- what our kids know is that they're not out of control. Right. They know that we can hear them. They know that if they really were feeling sick, that there's an option. They also don't want to miss school and they mm-hmm. don't want to get behind and they want to be with their friends at lunch. So it's not a, it's, it's not an out. It's a human relationship. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I'm feeling sick. Can I come home kind mm-hmm. of thing? It's, and there is, you know, like even it's funny, I read something on uh, Facebook a while ago and I was like, wow, that's so true. Somebody, you know, we're writing about, um, I'm putting this as an ism, ableism, you know, the ability, like not having a physical disability, not having um, an emotional challenge um, or a diagnosis. If you don't, then maybe you can meet that criteria of the school where they say you have perfect attendance and you get a certificate and we're going to reward you with all these things. If you have a physical disability or if you have an emotional challenge or, you know, an anxiety disorder or something that you're struggling with, that's not 
possible for mm. you to be there every day on time. Right. You may have doctor's appointments. You may have mornings that are more difficult. You may have episodes. And to reward children just based on this ability to yeah. be at school every day is not it, it's not a fair thing. Now, some people may say, oh, my God, and they roll their eyes like, what's next? Right. This is just an awareness yeah. of our expectation, how across the board we want our kids to all do the exact same thing, yet they're all different people. Yeah. Some are more dandelion-y, some are more orchid-y, and depending on the house they're in, they either can you know, thrive in an environment that works for them, or they're stuck in an environment that keeps them from thriving. Right. And it is, um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a, I don't, I don't care what's going on with your kids. If you have one or four or three, whatever, each one is different, and we have to pay attention, even if they're like a dandelion in most situations. Just don't like forget heaven. about them. Don't forget about them. Like and and touch base well, with and, them. And, and this is may, maybe putting us on a path in this podcast. We may not want to go, but I have heard from so many parents that are like, "Oh, my daughter's so drama filled, and everything's a drama, and my sons are so easy, and all that." I would use the same idea to that exact same thing. Like just because your son isn't expressing emotion doesn't necessarily mean he's perfect. Well, you should listen to last week's episode. We interviewed Tony Porter, who is uh, from A Call to Men, CEO of A Call to Men. He's our one of our keynotes for the 2020 conference, and he talks about this. And Todd talks about this you know, all the time on the show about how boys are being raised and the societal conditioning of not having emotional expression. And then what we say is, oh, you don't have any problems because you don't have any emotional expression. Yeah. And But they've been told to not. Yeah. So it's it's not I guess the, in the end, I'm trying to think of another metaphor of how to phrase it. Um, what is it? The squeaky wheel gets the grease uh-huh. or something like mm-hmm. that? It's like, yeah, um, sometimes the non-squeaky wheel needs the grease too. Well, and, and it's an awareness rather than something to feel guilty about. Like I, I know that um, at most hospitals and in most schools, there are um, support groups for kids who have siblings with special needs yeah. because the kids who maybe are more, um, you know, dandelion-y yeah. and they have a sibling who has more special needs, they need support because they're overlooked a lot in the home and they need other kids. And they're not overlooked because their parent doesn't love them. They're overlooked because their parent is inundated with something else with with what they have to do for this other kid and that completely makes sense this is it, it, we have to look at it from all angles like a movie that i thought in a book that did a really good job with this was wonder mm. which you didn't get to see wonder and you didn't you read it though didn't you i read it with cameron okay yeah. so you guys everybody i remember saying this is a book that every human being needs to read. I don't care if you're a man, you're a woman, you're old, you're young. That book is, will knock your socks off. Right. R.J. Palacio, I Sounds think was right. the author. Um, and maybe it's pronounced Palacio. Maybe yeah. I'm my Italian isn't coming out as it should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to my Italian counterparts like me. Um, but anyway, I in that book, they do a really good job um, of saying how, you know, Everything is focused on the boy who has the challenges and the mom is so concerned about his needs, which rightfully so mm-hmm. he's had the most challenges. But there's this daughter who has kind of, who's been dandelion who's kind of going through the motions of life, feeling unseen. Mm-hmm. And how do we 
find that balance, strike that balance, at least recognize what's happening. Mm. Um, this is it's a it's a practice and a conversation. It is. I was gonna play this song. I don't know if it makes any sense. Why am I playing this song? Um, don't you forget about me. Right. Don't forget about the kid that's not causing trouble. You know what I thought you were going to play, Todd? Yeah. I missed the boat on this one. I thought you were going to play Wonder by Natalie Merchant. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Because that's what that song is about a little bit, too. Not so much about the other sibling, but about children with differences and how they are in themselves necessary, needed, beautiful. Stand over my bed. Where's Natalie been? I know, I miss her. Maybe she's been around and I just don't listen to her music anymore. It's a wonderful video, actually. I'm just I know. Right now. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Her solo album after 10,000 Maniacs was rock solid. So good. Yeah. One of our favorites. We have a lot of conversations. Um, I, have a, I have a peppermint patty that I'm eating right now. It's very rude, sweetie. Well, my husband, Todd, over oh, yeah. there... He doesn't like peppermint patties. No. Uh, it's not that I don't like them, but I certainly don't like them. I'm neutral on them. Wait, you just said, it's not that I don't like them. I certainly don't like them. It's not that I don't like them, but I don't like them. I'm neutral. It's not like I hate it. It's a I don't C love average. It. Uh, it's a C. Mm-hmm. You know what I want to do? What? I want to say thank you to Fuzen Friends. Okay, please. Uh, the Pog Bear. Uh, that's my Aunt Peg Jividen. She... Every time she has an opportunity to give to Zen Friends, she does. So many of you who are coming to the conference on a scholarship, give my aunt a hug when you see her. Yes, she loves hugs. Um, your amazing sister, yes. Christine McFadden. Yes. She made a big donation, too, to make sure one of our sponsors could get a table. And she was very supportive of what they do. Um, Cheryl Stoller, and the nickname I'm giving to her... Is Cheryl Stoller Parent Coaching.com Stoller because she's a parent coach. I'm trying to give her a plug, sweetie. I love that you're talking about her business, but that's not like a great nickname. You want to know what a great nickname is? What? Kim Harrison is a Zen friend. Uh oh. Her nickname is Kim William Henry Harrison. Okay, there you go. That's a good one, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have a new Team Team Zen member, Kim from Massachusetts. So if anybody wants to join the team, it seemed to becoming more rich and deep and wonderful and connected. Well, especially like, you know, the the conversation that we had today about children who are neurodiverse, differently wired. If you are raising a child who is, even if they're very small, you know, very young and you're just kind of learning the ropes, we have quite a group of people on this team who are very knowledgeable and supportive of each other. And like I said, we have amazing conversations. And if you want some support, Please join us. Yeah. Um, Our next Zen talk is, as I'm pulling up my calendar, um, I don't know. It's not in my calendar. It's January 7th, I think. Oh, yeah. We're doing it to celebrate my dad's birthday. Right. (laughs) Is that why we're doing it? Actually, we're also uh, doing the sex ed at the library on January 7th. Yes. So I don't know. Check the dates on the website. Um, Go to ZenParentingRadio.com, click events, and all of our stuff is there. That's right. And um, so Team Zen... Uh, there's we've done 70 of these things now. So oh you get gosh. 70 private podcasts where people ask questions. We have a discussion about it. Discount all conference t- tickets. Be a part of the Zen, uh, the community on Facebook. 
Uh, you get to see me meditate with the rabbit every now and again. Smoky. Smoky. I, I want you to play. Do you have other things you need to say? And then uh, if you really just want to support us, then you can join Team Zen, even if you don't ever use any of the things. So. And make sure that you have your ticket to the conference, oh, the yeah. Zen Parenting Conference 2020. Yeah. It's going to be really good. And um, it is going to be, how do I say this? Like, I feel like it's Off talk about a rich year. Like we're talking about neurodiversity. We have Debbie Reber and we're talking about, about, about emotional labor with Gemma Hartley. And then obviously Rachel Simmons, we're focusing on women and girls and Tony Porter were talking about raising healthy boys. And then we have this panel um, of kids and parents that identify as transgender and non-binary. I mean, it's so rich. There's yeah. so many things. Todd and I are talking about sex ed. John Duffy's talking about anxiety. So if you're like, I need, I, in 24 hours, teach me the most important things mm -hmm. or get me in that frame of mind. It's an opportunity. And we're in that sweet spot where if you really want to do it, you're going to have to put it on the calendar do because it. we're two yep. months two away. Two months away. So anyways, so I want you, because it's Christmas Eve, Toddy, yeah. I want you to play that song that I was trying to find the other day that I was laughing about the words. Which one? Um, I thought it was Gene Autry, but then we figured out it was, um, I remember struggling with you, but I don't remember. It's the it song, the, the, the Santa coming down the chimney. Um, I'm going to play my song. Andy Williams. Okay. Andy Williams. What? Andy Williams. Yeah. Don't be playing your song when we're going to play my song. It's I the like most when wonderful he goes, time of the year, right? Well, actually, I love that song. I would, I'd meet you in the middle on that one. I'll let's do that one. Yes, it is. It's the most wonderful time. So we're going to see you back in 2020. See you next year. Don't you love when people say that? See you next year. See you around maybe. See you around maybe. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening this year. We'll be back. Keep trucking. And if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. And um, and and that's all. And keep trucking. <laughs> Adios. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting marshmallows. For Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our pop culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching practice. It's called 
Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.